Hello and welcome to the Meeple Perk Podcast. My name's Drew. And I'm Ree, and we are Meeple Perk, Newcastle's first board games cafe. So what we thought we'd do today, and in fact actually we're going to do over a two to three part series of podcasts, where we're going to look back at how uh, Meeple Perk came to be um, up until lockdown. And then we're going to move forward um, and look at the future of Meeple Perk in the new normal and maybe any of the changes that we announce in the coming couple of weeks. But before we do a big deep dive into our discussion today of our origin story, Ree, how are you doing? I'm all right. It's stressful at the minute with everything that's going on, but I'm doing okay. How about you? Yeah, I agree. It's been um, an interesting week or so since... It's been about a week since the government guidelines been out at the time we're recording this, just slightly less so, and it has been stressful as you said uh to to look into looking into all of the all of the stuff about it but i won't get into too much yeah. detail it's sort really of weird want... it's been a week <laughs> and only a week yeah. yeah um the minute i said it there i was like oh god it's only been a week it feels like much longer <laughs> yeah exactly uh but, but anyway <laughs> we thought we'd do this essentially we thought we'd do this deep dive look back at our history um and and how we got to the point we're at today we thought it might be interesting to some of our customers to do this um so yeah do you want to kick us off chatting about this cool so first question that we're going to look at or the first sort of thing that we should really look at is what brought us into gaming and what sort of sparked it all so true you go first oh god for me um so i've always enjoyed playing games um from a young age like i remember played i played a lot of computer games when i was young i was quite known as the person in the family for that i loved playing monopoly and in fact i think i own something like nine copies of monopoly something stupid like that um then i got into a bit more modern board gaming um, the initial time was when my brother came home from university will come home from university um and he bought a game called munchkin with him which is is a popular one for getting a lot of people into into more modern board games but i played that for a bit and i kind of then didn't really do much until i'd moved to newcastle and i was just sort of looking for sort of a hobby or a thing to do and i remember that traveling man that i was going to for comic books um had like board game nights on a tuesday night and i would go down to to that on a regular but i started going down to that and i think it was after the first time of going to that i went and bought zombie side was the first big proper modern board game i bought myself um and really from there it was a downhill like i just started going out i got really heavily in, uh, into board games i got really heavy into my role-playing games shortly afterwards um that's really where my love of gaming came from and i think it was just oh like my love of, of this side of gaming um but it was just because it was good to get around the table with people and i'm sort of missed those days like with video games a while ago you could do it we'd all sit around and play video games and they've kind of moved away from that for the more online experience which i never really got into or really enjoyed but um like being able to sat around, be sat around with your friends playing games has always been like something that i've really loved and this really emphasized that for me um so i think that's really my origin into into how i got into games what about yourself Ari? same question oh so like yourself um 
when my sister and I, I have a little sister who's like four years younger than me because I'm the older one in my family. Um, when we were young, we had lots of like the kids games. So we used to play Kaplunk a lot and Pop-Up Pirate and oh Buckaroo. That's what it's called. I was thinking oh, Donkey yes. in my head. Um, but we had cupboards of these old games. We had like bad apples and we used to play board games all the time as kids. And that's just because, you know, she was a bit too young for video games at the time. And we did have things like a PlayStation, but my mum played that more because we had things like Silent Hill on it. So she loved that. And we were, we just used to play loads of games with each other. And Nissa didn't like losing, so playing video games was probably a bad idea when, say, you're 10 and she's 6. Um, but yeah, so we played games a lot as kids, but I think but my first, very first introduction to modern board gaming, I was about 12 or 13, and we went to an event that some listeners might know, because it still goes on today, as far as I'm aware. Uh, we went to the Mind Sports Olympiad when it was hosted in Manchester, that one time because it's always in London um because my my mum at the time really played a lot of backgammon uh so she went to a backgammon competition and we went and played a lot of just different games and tried them out and we made some friends down there and we sat and played uh Settlers of Catan that was my first game I ever played and weirdly was then reintroduced to but the first game modern board game I ever played was Settlers of Catan we played it it didn't make a ton of sense to me, if I remember rightly, at the time. Because <laughs> I was 13 and very new to games again and being like, what? Yeah. Resource management? What's, so, like, in, in saying all this, what's the first modern board game you you bought for yourself? Oh, God. Um, it was probably Munchkin as well, to be honest. But that's because after, like, being 13... 13, 12, playing... We used to play a lot of Boku, which is not a modern board game. It's a very old game with big black and white marbled balls. Um, I sort of didn't play board games again for a long time because it wasn't really cool when I was like between 13 to 18. <laughs> um, and I didn't have a friendship group for it till I went to uni. And then I met Rob who Drew knows Rob. Rob's one of my very old friends. And Rob got me into Munchkin and then got me back into Settlers of Catan. But it was probably Munchkin was the first one because we used to play that a lot because it was a nice, really fast one. And then also we were over 18 and there's drinking rules for it. So it was a good laugh. So really what you're saying, what, what we're saying is, is if you want people to blame for us doing this, it's my brother John and Rob. A little bit, yeah. I mean, Rob, obviously, he wasn't my first experience of board games, which is weird to think back that I remember now at, like, 13 playing Settlers of Catan. But, um, yeah, probably. Rob definitely got me more into it, which is my intense love of uh, Ticket to Ride because he owns so many of them. Uh, but, really, I didn't buy a ton of board games back then because Rob had loads. <laughs> Yeah, no. It's, I mean, I've, I've uh, you know, obviously, we've combined our personal board game collection. So, yeah, I kind of know how big yours is. I say, yeah, it's not really a combination when it's adding like about twenty games, if that. Oh, um, I'll, not, I'll not mention my my count. Um, 
But yeah, it's what first brought me into it. Like what first got me back into gaming. It definitely what, it was a big research. And what is it that you what is it that you found that you really enjoy from playing board games? Um, I really oh I enjoyed annoying Rob a little bit. <laughs> if he listens to this, he's gonna be like vindication. Um who, who doesn't enjoy? But Rob's just very hardcore strategy. So if you bungle a strategy slightly, it is just sort of funny. Um, but no, it's more playing with friends. Uh, I love the fact that when I started getting more and more into board games, we would do things like whole board game days and we even would celebrate things like uh, International Tabletop Day and get around, play a load of games and we'd even have a silly little prize at the end of it sometimes. And that was a fun thing we used to do quite a few yeah. years back now that I think about it. Oh, time's flying. Um but we do things like that, and it was always just fun kind of getting around for a whole day of board games or, or role-play games because depended on what we were doing. But Certainly. yeah. Okay, so I think that's basically our origin, how we got into board games nicely covered. Um, so we were going to, like, essentially the idea for this is we were going to go back and look into to our origins of the CAF and stuff like that. And we reached out to our wonderful sort of Discord community when whenever we do like these podcasts, we tend to say like, have you got any questions? Uh, and two of our community members uh, came up with some brilliant questions and a lot of them sort of really covered the, uh, the, the areas that we're looking into. Um, so yeah, uh, looking into diving into uh, how we came about opening up Meeple Perk, uh, Ollie's first question um, what sparked the idea of setting up a board games calf really um, was was a good place to start in this. So, Re, what what sparked the idea of us setting up a board game cafe? So, for myself, um, for anyone who isn't aware, I used to manage a geek culture cafe called Geek Retreat, which um, is more sort of trading card game oriented. But I started working there and I uh, was manager for two years. And in the time I was there, I fell back into the trading card uh, game scene and then role playing and board games. Um, I started a role playing night for a little while in which I would run uh, in which I ran one shots. And I even got drew in a couple of times to run one shots for me, um, such as the infamous Ghostbusters game. Which we will not talk about. <laughs> it's all right. I just broke Drew's game. Um, Ghostbusters, really fun RPG. Play it sometime. And then I also was doing things like we'd do board game demos on a Sunday night. We'd get in some board games and play them. I sort of started to realize towards the end of my time there um, that maybe I could branch out and do this kind of thing on my own because I found at the cafe that really there was a big gap in the market when it came to board games cafes and we and they didn't have the budget to throw into it as heavily and have something like a huge board games library so that was just something i started to realize that well traveling man gets this amazing group of people that go on their on their evenings and there was newcastle gamers which is a huge um sort of gaming group that all meet uh, twice a month. And I just started to realize that there is this just gap in the market. And I'd always wanted to own my own cafe. This had been a thing since like my first job as a barista at Starbucks so many years ago. Um, 
and yeah, I just started started doing some research, started visiting other local venues such as um, the sadly not no longer with us Dark Matter in Durham. And then I also started speaking to Drew a lot more because he had this infamous huge board games collection. Um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's what sort of sparked it for me was my reintroduction into sort of the geek culture circles when I worked at Geek Retreat. And then just finding this this niche sort of gap in the market that and we already knew board games cafes worked up and down the country so it was just sort of realizing this was something I could do that I would genuinely love because I really love board games and it was about 10 months after I'd left my job um, and started working on a business plan and stuff and doing the research that Drew came along and said that he'd like to partner so I'll pass over to Drew because that's kind of how the time scale goes yeah so um largely different to me i don't actually have a background surprisingly i don't have a background in customer service or anything like that um i've never run a cafe before i've worked in a cafe one summer um back home in essex uh which the list said about the better uh not essex in general but the place i worked at was not particularly fantastic for a number of reasons um but i didn't really get any experience my, my big point is i didn't really get any experience on how to run a, a a venue like this but um yeah i've always had as i say i've always had my interest in gaming and um one of the things i always love doing is getting to spread that love of gaming around and i think i come from a place where um i feel that more the more people i think the biggest hurdle to get people into playing games is getting them to play the games um and so i would go to any event or anything i could help out with where the the goal was to get people to play games um i would go to do and i pushed for this even when we were setting up the cafe a little bit because we did things at the library together um where we we went down to the library and uh when they started getting board games in they had a board games day and we went down to that but i did things like traveling man at geek tree uh, as reese mentioned i've done a couple of things there um traveling man free rpg day i went down for a good few years and, and helped run things there and their international board games day i would help out with here and there and i'd always be the person who would arrive and everyone would go like i bought four games with me and i'd be like i bought 20 um <laughs> Typical. Uh, yeah typical <laughs> me uh partly that was just because i had like my one way of getting games down and i like to like really push how many games can i get into like one container um anyway uh so yeah like that was that was really like my big thing is like i just wanted people to be able to play more games and at the time i was working in a job which i'm trying to say this as diplomatically as possible because i don't want my words to be misconstrued and get back to the people who I was working with, um, not that I'm hiding it, I'm just not going to mention name of companies or anything in the podcast, really. But um, I wasn't really happy in the job I was doing. Like Looking back on it from now, I realized that I was actually just really in a bad place where I was just kind of stuck in a job. Um, I didn't really see myself being able to advance any further in the business that I was in at the time. Um, and I was like, I don't want to say it was a dead end job. It helped pay the bills. I was fine. I liked the people that I was working with. I realized I had a lot. Um, a lot going for me in this job, but I just realized I wasn't really happy there. Um, and that's something I only came about with afterwards. But yeah, like 
I was just in this bad place. Um, me and Rhee were already chatting on a very regular basis about doing a board games calf because I knew Rhee was wanting to do this. And I think it's fair to say, I don't think I don't think Rhee necessarily mentioned it, but just in case, you've always wanted to own your own calf, haven't you? It's been a big thing of yours for a while. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'd said. I'd mentioned briefly, yeah, I'd wanted it for a long time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so when we one day we were chatting about it one time, I think I was actually at work at the time when when it happened, and I cheekily messaged you on Facebook. Um, we were discussing things, and I just said, "Would you be interested in having a partner um, of me coming in on this?" And well, I think the actual way it went was, "Would you be interested in having a partner?" And my response was, "It depends who." Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you said that, and then I said me. Um, and yeah, I think that's really where it went from because you said, "Yeah, yeah, I did." No, I was really happy for you to come on yeah. as a partner. Um, Ooh, yeah, you, all, you're of right. the, all of the things coming out of the woodwork now, as if I just went, "No, no, no." There? Sorry, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean to make it sound like that. Like, no, like you, you were definitely happy with me coming on board. Um, but it was a bit of a, I think it was a bit of a shock to both of us, really, at that moment. Um. <laughs> But yeah, uh, and that's really it. Like, I just kind of said to Re, like, hey, you've mostly got this plan. You seem to be doing the right thing. But how about having me on as a business partner, as someone who knows board games um, and be able to help you out and do that side of the business? And I think really that's kind of where everything develops from is that re re already wanted to do this read already works in a cafe and stuff like that and knows that side of stuff really well and i know the board game side of stuff really well um not saying that re doesn't know board games or anything like that re is an expert at board games as well but like it just works out really well for us that that's you know we weren't biting heads on it on either side of the business because it was just like ultimately readers this side of things only Drew does this side of things and we cross over a little bit in the in between and most of that is literally just us turning around going are you sure you want to spend money on that? And if one of us can justify it, it makes sense to do so. Yeah, definitely. We sort of had the dream team set up in sometimes with these businesses you see, and this isn't really in any way bad to some people because it still works for them. Uh, but you see someone who wants one side of the business. So they're really into say board games, but they don't know a ton about food, drinks, maybe even retail sides of stuff and um, they just really enjoy playing games so they it's they need to find someone else to fulfill that side or even then they just have that really hard curve of learning that side of the business whereas with us luckily we just sort of it just fit I mean, I'll put it this way is that I wouldn't have done this by myself. Like, there's no way I would have opened Meeple Perk or tried anything like this without having Rhi there because Rhi really does know what she's doing in this regard. Um, and when people do post up, like, I see it all the time. And I've got asked it a couple of times as well, saying, like, what was the big thing that led you to doing this? And I was just like, the ultimate piece of advice is, is you need someone, like, you need to treat both sides of the business. Like, as much as the board games calf is about having board games in it, it's no good if the calf side isn't good. And likewise, it's no good having the calf being amazing if your board games are like Monopoly, Scrabble, and no one knows how to play them. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, like that's how we, we came into it. And from there, really, any business decision we've made is really comes back down to that, like that di original dynamic that we've we've got between each other. Um is is really what I was saying. But we sort of move off of, of this now to say, like, so what was the next point for us at this point, Marie? We've we've now we're now working together. Where did we go from there? Well, after that we began sort of our official venue hunting which i've been doing a little bit of before um unsuccessfully as you can imagine since we then spent another probably about a year and a half or so venue hunting uh we met Building with lots of social media yeah we built social media we met up with lots of different gaming groups um and attended things such as uh, the autism friendly newcastle board games group we went to a few of their sessions absolutely lovely uh group of people daniel was really great and it was cool to play some games with him and teach them some new games as well since um, we took betrayal didn't we we took betrayal with us we did the um we did the library day um board game day thing that they had yeah and that was good fun we um we <laughs> we promoted someone's kickstarter just because you had a print and play version of it which Kickstarter? Unofficially. Uh, Champion of the Wild. Oh, God, yeah, we did do that, yes. Yeah, because you had a print and play, and they were on Kickstarter, and we messaged them saying, like, oh, we've just been pushing your Kickstarter a little bit. Yeah, and the guy was that from that was, that was lovely, and I, that's, how I, that's how I'm in that game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, yeah, and then we just continued sort of the legwork where it's the research and the promoting and... Going out there, shaking all the hands and building relationships. But um, as all of that continued to happen, uh, that feeds really nicely into Ollie's next question. Because Ollie had a follow-up question, which was, when did that idea become real? So the Board Games Cafe, when did it become real? What was the turning point? And Drew, do you want to... I can go first on this one. I'll go first. Um, so personally for me, it was, um, we were, we talk about this on a regular, like we were always talking about a board games cafe and the idea of it and coming up. Like, I don't think we had a name initially. I think the name took a while for us to settle on. Um, I think we did settle on it quite quickly after I came on, actually. I can't really remember. It's, it's a bit weird, like looking back on it from this perspective. Um, but personally for me, the big thing that was, is when we had Pretty much settled on the venue. We'd had um, the Kickstarter was up and doing a decent job. Um, and it was that point where I had to go and give notice into work that this really like wasn't, that this was actually becoming an actual thing. Um, and it stopped becoming this like silly thing that me and Rhi would talk about. Like one day we're opening up a board games cafe. Ha 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 ha. People will give us money to do this for a job. Um, it suddenly became like a very real moment at that moment. Um, and I do remember like one of my, my big stories of when I went, this is real now, this is the big thing for me, um, was, yeah, there was all that moment of of the Kickstarter going well and us having a venue and me giving the notice in the work. But I think for me it was um, during the Kickstarter campaign, um, there was a moment where we kept trying to get ahead of announcements, um, but they just kept happening really fast. So I remember we did this. Like every point, I think it was twenty five percent, fifty percent. We did seventy five percent and one hundred percent. We we were putting out posts to say that was done. We were trying to come up with like cool pitches to do. 
And it was at the moment where we were approaching 100% that I went, right, I'm going to go get a picture for us to share for us being 100% funded on Kickstarter. Um, I'll go get that sorted now so that we've got it. And it was, um, I was setting out the photo and you can look this up. It's, it's easy to find. I'm sure I'll put a link for it in the link dumps if I can find it. But yeah, um, at the 100% funded, I did a picture of a bunch of board games boxes from my collection um, that were that spelled out 100%. Um, and it was the... Doing that photo, essentially, was me laying out the board games, then standing on top of a sofa with my phone, and then I've got, like, because I do photography, I've got, like, a ring light, so I lit up the, the, the photos really well. I had my housemate at the time on the sofa with me holding the ring light while I was holding the phone. And it was during that moment that we 100% funded. So I'm getting messages from Re and all my friends going like, oh my God, your Kickstarter's just funded. It's just happened. And I'm like, can you just bugger off for, for like 10 minutes just so I can get this photo, please? Like I'm stood hovering over uh, on a sofa in the most unsafe way possible to get this photo looking good to announce this. Please stop congratulating me. <laughs> I remember um, that. I think we were, what, like 97% or something? And you yeah, went, it- I'll go get that photo ready because it'll probably happen tomorrow. And then it was like minutes later. Yeah, it was like minutes later. It was like 10 minutes later. I had the, I was on top of my sofa. I had you, um, a bunch of other friends messaging me. I had people trying to phone me to talk. Oh my God, you got to under like, and it's me. Just, I think I told one, I wanted to, uh, very nicely told some people to go away who were just phoning me up to be like, congrats. And I'm like, go away. Trying to take a photo. <laughs> it took me, honestly, that photo will be one of my favorite photos I've ever taken just because I can look back at that and remember all of this like crazy cookie stuff that was happening around it. I think that was at the moment where, where things became very real for me and I, I realized that this is this is a thing that we are doing. Oh God, oh God, oh God. Um, how about yourself, Ree? So mine's way before that, really. Thanks for a year before that. Um, so for me, it was when Drew came on board officially and we signed our paperwork. Um, and really, yeah, really that the reason it it is that way for me is mostly because when you came on and when we signed our, because we have an official contract to say that we are um, in a limited company partnership. um, Mostly just to protect both our backs. Don't worry, everyone, everything's fine. Uh, But we signed that and really it just became that moment where it wasn't just, I had this little dream and I mean, I'd still kind of been pushing to have a promotion at the call center I worked at and things like that, mostly because I was kind of, I I had picked a dead end job in a way, but with the idea that would drive me harder to push for my dream and make the cafe real. But for me, especially, and I mean, I don't want to say this is like, I don't want this to come across badly, but especially being like a woman trying to set up a business on her own. Um, it just was really, it felt really tough. And until the moment I had a business partner, it was sort of like, this could all just fall apart and I could abandon this and do something else. And then when I had a business partner, it kind of just became real. It's like, right, now you have to do this because you've signed these documents. You know, I finished um, my top-up course with the Prince's Trust and things like that. My business plan was pretty much done. And then Drew came in and edited it and tidied up some bits. And we 
updated some of the information because it took us a little bit of time before we got to a point where we submitted the business plan officially um to prince's trust so that they could say that like we had passed and they were happy to give us um our business advisor and so on but yeah it was the moment when you came you came on officially and we were like definitely doing this together i think that was very much for me like this will happen yeah and it wasn't this is completely real but it was like this will happen now because i know we're both kind of a driving force that'll make this happen whereas before that it was very much just you know silly little, silly little dream i could drop it i could just not do this and i could i could be a team leader couldn't i that could be okay for a year so yeah that was that was my moment for me because i was like no you're gonna do this I, t I tell you one thing is I had completely forgotten to mention like we uh, we don't mention the Prince's Trust at all anywhere in our notes on this so I'd completely forgotten about doing that. That's a shame. Yeah. So I mean, good. for anyone for anyone who wasn't aware, yeah, we are we um, completed the business the business course business enterprise course for the Prince's Trust. Uh, we do have a business advisor, although we're coming to probably toward the end of the, our time with our business advisor. So you get them for two years. Um, but it's great. It's for the first two years of opening a business. Uh, they do a wonderful course. And anyone who's thinking about opening a small business, I'd highly recommend it. Although, obviously, it's a very difficult time at the moment for doing something like that. But yes. um, yeah. And especially, like, oh, honestly, if... If you're if you've got a business idea in mind, it's definitely a course that's worth doing because the amount of people that um like we 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 both did it and one of the things that we both ended up saying was the amount of people who would come on the course and go like the I'm gonna do this job and they'd do the course and then suddenly be like, Oh, I didn't think about all of this other stuff that I'd have to do. Yeah, it's the self employed side where people think it's well, I wouldn't say people think, but people don't realise how difficult it's going to be. Everyone knows it's not easy, but yeah it's no one realizes how hard it is but yeah so that was for me it was once we'd gone through all that and it was just becoming official that like we were definitely going to do this together that brought it home for me because obviously like i said i could just drop it at any point and i could just decide that was a silly dream never mind i'm not gonna do it um but yeah and then after that, Drew came on and things just for me became a bit more real. And then eventually the Kickstarter happened when Drew realized it was all happening. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I was always aware of it, but I think that was the moment where it became real for me that this wasn't just like a, a silly dream or a silly thing that we were talking about. And it was very much real. But anyway, um, after all of that, we end up getting the keys. Everything became a lot more real because we now have property. Uh, we were opening up and organizing bills and signage and getting the opening date. We got to see the sign part for the first time, which that was definitely a very real moment. Um, there's a wonderful moment where we'd got the board games library in and I had to sit there with my parents for uh, and a fr good friend of mine, uh, Flora or Rusty, um, give you a shout out for us having to sit there for an entire day and a bit, I think it ended up being popping out all of the pieces and organizing all of the games. Yeah, which was great in itself because I was busy organizing more cafe side stuff. So I was like deep cleaning the kitchen and things like that because this was all very close to the actual opening day. And all the way leading up to this, you had Drew saying, 
I'm going to pop all the board games pieces. I can't wait for that day. I get to pop so many board game pieces. It'll be great. And I said, you'll want help because you don't want to no. do it on your own. It's so many pieces. And no, Drew's like, no, no, I'll do it myself. It'll be the best day ever. Yeah, best day it. for a board gamer. Oh, I love it. No, I honestly, it's one of the things as a board gamer, I genuinely like, I get a new game. I sit there, I go through the board game. I organize it all how I think best to do it. And then after I've played it, I'll sit there and I'll organize it maybe a second time. Like I'm really into that. And so I was like, oh man, I can't wait for this. A lot of the games are going to know how to do. It's going to be really good to go through and see all of these. It's going to be really good doing it. And oh my God, I would never want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, I think it was about 250 games we started with or something. It was definitely over 200. It was definitely over 200. I remember that. I can't remember the exact number, but I remember going through it. Then it was it was not only organizing all of the new games, but a lot of people donated games. So it was going through theirs and resetting it. Like some of them it was taking out expansion content um and figuring out what that was and making sure it's all there popping out all the pieces um just getting everything yeah baggies for everything that was a big thing um i remember my parents who don't really play games being there and having to organize them uh uh, flora who helped out with this um assisted uh having to say is anything you don't get let, let me know and then i have my own separate pile of just like here are games i have to do um i think in all of that it was only one board game that we really struggled with which was dice forge um i remember dice forge being an issue because uh it was one that we all looked at and just went nah like it's got instructions on how to store it and we just all looked at it and went nah it's can't can't be done yeah we did manage to do it in the end so often um but uh in talking about like the the next step from here is really uh uh answers up by another community question we had that baz asks us which is um what would we do differently if we had to do it all again so re i think you're yeah uh, i'll start then uh so we looked at this more from the point of view of in the setup so leading up to we're going to be open because we're still a really young business and a young company so it's hard to look back on everything we did and think oh what would I do different I mean there's some things I may introduce earlier but I wouldn't say I would 100% do things different um such as I the kids role play games I ran I'd have loved to have started doing that earlier on but we were a really young business so there's there's nothing in that time that I would do different I don't think but what I would definitely do different in the lead up to opening is have stuck to my timetable better that I made and color coded and it was great. And it had dates of when things needed to be done by and it had like a full week of training with Drew that turned into about a day and a half <laughs> as, as it got to crunch time and like everything started to get pushed further and further back. And really some of that mucking up of the timetable was lawyers. And if I had to do it all again, I'd go back in time and tell myself lawyers take an age to do anything. So add an extra month on because I didn't realize it took five days for a lawyer to respond to a simple email and that it took them about 10 days to respond to each other. Cause when you've got your lawyer and the landlord's lawyer, and the leaseholder's lawyer, because we bought the leasehold off um, a different cafe that was in the building before us. And that's three lawyers who none of them could communicate. And it just became a mess of, instead, we got the phone numbers 
for the leaseholders and we just started ringing each other and telling each other when things weren't happening so they could chase it up it just was oh and at that point lawyers would be on top of it yeah because as soon as we got in contact with each other the lawyers realized we weren't sitting about waiting anymore but that was that pushed so many things backwards where I was like, oh, well, I had hoped to have this thing done by now, but that didn't happen. So that needs to move to this week. And um, that that is something I would have done different. And something I tell anyone as well going into business is just be on top of your lawyer because it's just a nightmare and they will just take their time. Um, other than that, though, like we had we had a great starting location. I still love our little cafe. I know it's a little bit small. I still think it's great. We had a really good soft open because we did a friends and family day just to sort of give Drew a chance and myself a chance to see how will this work? Do we need to change anything? Do we need to do a quick like change in protocol? Does Drew need some last minute training? Things like that. Yes. Yes, he does. And yes, he did. And there were a few hiccups and we learned a lot on that first day and that first weekend we learned a lot. But from there, we just started to grow this amazing community. Uh, our friends and our family like stuck around to support us and help us, which was amazing. And that side of things were all really good. But I mean, if I was psychic and if I knew that a global pandemic was coming and Brexit was going to be dragged out this long, uh, maybe I'd have waited until after all this that's just if i happen to be psychic yeah but then you'd still probably be working in the call center so that's true (laughs) that'd probably be worse right now because i'd be dealing with customers every day on the phone (laughs) yeah and what about you drew what would you do differently if you were to do it all again um I mean, really thinking about it, um, I think I would have been a lot better prepared for the Kickstarter so I'm not hanging off of a sofa at 100% and telling people to leave me alone um, and be able to celebrate that. Um, I just think I would have done it a little bit like that. I feel that we did a good job with it, but there's definitely a thing or two that now looking back on it for sort of organizing this podcast that I, I think I would have liked to have done differently. Like maybe I would have explored the idea of doing stretch goals a little bit more um because we did succeed and then we did get a little bit over but there was like a good period where we didn't really earn anything because we never i feel like we could have pushed it a little bit more and maybe got a little bit more but i think at the time we, we did the right thing but if i had the knowledge that i had now is the way i'm looking at this yeah um I do agree with you as well, though, that um, if, if we could have waited till after Corona and Brexit to, to open a business, it's probably not the wisest time. I mean, obviously, Corona, no one saw coming. Um, but yeah, having a business during this time has been both a blessing and a curse um, in, in a number of factors, which I think we'll talk a bit more about that when we do talk about this more in general. Um, I also think I would have potentially pushed you to give me a little bit more training before we opened up, which I think we both agreed that was a thing that we could have done a little bit better, maybe. Um, but obviously, I we both know why that didn't happen because um, of lawyers and the timeline getting messed up and stuff like that a little bit and not just really having the time for it. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest thing, though, is like if I'm going to seriously sit here and answer this, is um, potentially uh i've been thinking about this a bit more recently is knowing what i know now having a third partner might have helped us out a little bit um 
just in terms of giving us a little bit more breathing room, allow us to work a little bit um, uh, more. Uh, it would put us in a, in a lot of good places. Like it would put us um, in a bigger um, advantage in a lot of respects, such as having like two people being able to work behind the bar or one of us is running and organizing games or doing things like doing like role play games would be a bit more free for doing that or you know, just assisting customers on like, say, a busy Saturday with the game side of thing. I think having a third person involved in the business would have helped a little bit more with that. Um, however, uh, this is one of those things which, which I think is like a six and two threes argument. Like as good as that, that would have been, I think a lot about what our, what makes Meeple Pert work is that it's mine and yours business. Like I think a lot of the success we've had is because it's me and you doing this and a third person could have made things better or worse we have no way of knowing which it would be and i'm happy with what we've built that i wouldn't even if i had access to a time machine as much as i'm like looking on it now going like it would be a good idea to have a third person in on it i think i wouldn't have changed that yeah um, um there's definitely you can worry about sort of the um the disruption of the dynamic that we have since we do have a good dynamic we're often on the same wavelength which works well with things except when we're playing games that involve being somewhat psychic to each other then we're not good at them somehow yeah but I, mean, but I mean like on um like i'm not saying it in sense like we, we will get staff at some point I, I i hope we get staff at some point um so but i just think I don't know, like, I think having a third person in from the go could have helped us in a lot of directions that now looking back on it, it would have been a lot bit like where we could do some more stuff and, and be a bit more open for things. But just the dynamic we have is too strong to to mess with. Um, so there's a number of things that I feel like we could have done, but I just don't feel like I regret any of the things we did do is essentially what I'm trying to say. Yeah, no, exactly. And I mean, if it was... Hey, this is sort of the wonder in this the wonder of this question because it's the if we could do it again is there anything we do differently and it's sort of like oh this is a few ums and ahs and a few like bits tidbits of advice we have for our prior selves but there's nothing huge where we're like oh god yeah this was glaringly wrong like the training <laughs> me thing for this. example yeah for the training me for example it would have helped us out a lot more at the beginning where i wasn't really as confident in making the drinks but i've now in that position where I know how to make all of the drinks and I feel very confident in making them and maybe I would have just got there a little bit quicker, but I don't think that's like done our business anything wrong or, or, or has hindered us in any particular way. Yeah. But that does bring us to Meeple Perk is open at this point in sort of the uh, podcast questions and in the history that we're going through. Um, we haven't been a fully formed business for very long. Uh, we're coming up to two years in November and hopefully everything will calm down um, and we'll be able to celebrate our two years, if not wonderfully postponed party for the future or we'll do an online party, I would, I hope. We're, um, we'll, figure we'll figure something out. But we're a little under two years old, which means sort of, we have two questions that we really want to answer sort of looking at in the time we've been open um, rather than a big reflection of the last year and a year and a half-ish prior to lockdown, wasn't it, Drew? Yeah, and this is, yeah, like 100% um, to what you said there, but 
the big key things that these are two questions that we asked ourselves to answer this bit of the like the 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 um the business as we are prior yeah. to lockdown. So Drew, since you're gonna take this first one, what have we learned in the time we've been open? So um when we sort out the podcast, we make a set of notes. And really, I kind of just wrote down three things to reflect on. Um, they may seem a little bit samey on the, the three points, which is... So thing number one is that we've learned that people really like playing games. Um, obviously, open up board game cast. That's the big thing that we need to know. Um, is is um, like We know people like playing games. We know that for a fact. But do are, are we going to get customers for doing this? And the answer is resoundingly is yes. Like we had a lot of customers really interested in coming in and being able to play the games, whether it was people coming in to play Scrabble or Monopoly, like your more classic games to some of the more, uh, you know, like Ticket of Rides, Pandemics, um, and even like more up from there. Like people really do enjoy playing games. It's one thing that we have noticed and, and seen. And there's the occasional time that we get people in. Now, honestly, we sit there and um not to make it sound like we judge all of the customers but sometimes we get the oh god this is going to be the people coming in and they're just going to want to play monopoly and then they're going to get bored or you know like they're not going to know the bigger games and then they sit there and go like have you got scythe and we're like oh yeah god oh, i'll go get it for you you know you really, people really do surprise you and like um we've had customers who came in during dry january it was dry january yeah yeah, during dry January, who wanted to come in and play just just play some games because it was something a bit different, um, and they were they were fantastic. Um, so yeah, like people really do enjoy playing games, and it really helps and and uh, us with the business and building up our community. Uh, Newcastle is an absolutely fantastic location, and wanted what there was definitely clear demand for what our dream was. So like we've opened this up, like Meeple Park really is like mine and Marie's dream uh board game cafe like every decision we make is on the like we try and think of it from the customer point of view thinking if we were the customers would we want this place to exist uh can we justify everything we're doing not just to ourselves as business owners but to ourselves as customers um of which i think it's fair to say that we're both pretty happy with how we run the business and and that we'd both attend our business if we could um so I think that the, like the fact that Newcastle and the local area has really come out and supported us um, in just under two years of business, like technically on paper, according to the accountant, we earn money. Um, uh, you know, and and that's fantastic to say within like your first year or two of business that you're actually technically making money. I won't get into like the big ins, ins and outs of that, but yeah. So like seeing that people wanted to support us was fantastic seeing that newcastle really did embrace us was good um being able to like say that like a lot of saturdays we were generally really busy um we were getting to the point where like school holidays and stuff like that would have to start considering because uh weekends at that point got really busy because families would want to come down and and come and play games with the kids and stuff like that which is great um and the last thing that we really learned is that Newcastle was, was really in need of a venue like us. It's something that wasn't just to do. Like Newcastle is a fantastic city. I love it. I moved here uh, many years ago and I fell in love with it. But it really is a place that's really good for if you want to go drinking or you want to go shopping. Uh, there's not a lot of... It's starting to get that way now that there are businesses that are opening up that do other things as well. Um uh, and I think that we were one of those businesses that like, I think Newcastle was desperate for where it's people can go to and enjoy it without either having to buy like just to have to go shopping or to just drink like there is something else to do in there like you could play games um 
I think that was the three big things that we learned is that people really wanted us and that we 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 sat into a spot in Newcastle that was really good. Um but yeah, I think that really sort of covers the what we've learned in this time. There's a few other little bits, like I've learned how to make coffee, but I'm not gonna get into those. Yeah, I think there is one last small thing that is something that was an absolute eye-opener for us but speaking from a point of view of being um of having done a ton of market research because we did questionnaire after questionnaire and collecting data and attending games events and so on um the thing that we loved it's definitely something that we absolutely loved to have found out and to have proved proved our stats wrong and everything um, was the fact that we actually had a really big um, f- like female following in our board games community and that we actually had a ton of women p- coming down to play board games and we had Hindus coming down to play board games. We had birthday parties where it was just all women coming down to play board games. That was something that was great when you came from the point of view of statistics showing me that 80% of my customers were all going to be men. And I, I definitely love that. Yeah, I think we can fairly say it's about a 50-50 or as close to 50-50 as possible. I think, yeah, I think so as well. And that was that was something amazing that I got to learn through opening the business that I never would have known because when you go to like UK Games Expo, it's a lot of it's a lot of blokes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, yeah. Actually, yes. This is a big surprising one for me as well. Um, there is a lot of a lot of thing in the board game community. Unfortunately, is is that women don't feel um, safe coming into this. But I can sit there and say, as a business owner, um, and maybe it's because obviously Re is uh, a big voice in the business, and um, obviously is one of the owners of the business that I think does help us get that, those numbers. But like. We've had more Hindus than stag do's. We've had more women organizing women's birthdays at the venue than yeah. than, than ones organized for men. Um, most of our big eventy nights where we run things, there's a lot of females that come down, which is really nice to see. And um, it's really good to see that the split is actually not quite as like eighty twenty as we thought it was going to be. Yeah, I remember the, was it the second murder mystery night we ran? And for some some odd reason, this murder mystery had a lot of female roles, which is absolutely fine. And we ended up having to cast some of the guys who came down as women just because we'd we'd ran out of roles when there were, and it was, it ended up as a night where it was just lots of women. Yeah, and I think night. just to point out, I mean, I think like it, when we were looking to run it originally, it was maybe like, oh god, we're going to have to cast like a few men as as women, and oh god, that's going to be a little bit awkward. Too, I think we did two. I think it was two yeah. men were cast as women rather than like, which I think is pretty good going. Yeah, no, it was a really good. It was a really good murder mystery night as well. It was very good fun, but that is that is one of the big ones that whenever anyone says what's something I've learned, that is something that always makes me smile. But moving to our next question um, is, what's the best thing that we've done in the time we've been open? Um, and we're going to answer this sort of ourselves because 
although we sort of agree, we d definitely have different views on what we think the best thing we've done is. Um, so Do you Drew, want to go first? Yeah, oh. sure, I can go first. Um, so probably my favorite thing that we've done in the last sort of year and a bit that we were open uh, is our large scale social deduction nights where cause we've run things like we've run werewolf evenings, uh, we've run secret Hitler evenings where we've gotten like an entire table of people. And then we do very regular um, a social Friday event where we get everyone down on a Friday night and we will play board games together. And that was great. But my favorites were definitely when we ran Two Rooms and a Boom for our six month anniversary. And then when we ran uh, the murder mystery um, on our year anniversary, which was, which one was it? It was, that the, was the Hollywood one. Yeah, it was the, the death of a Hollywood actor. And we all got dressed up. It was an amazing night. Um, and even though we were games coordinators for it, it was just a ton of fun to organize, a little bit stressful the murder mystery one anyway, because there were packs and scripts and random things to organize. Um, but it was just loads of fun. And then it was also getting to interact with the community and the customers in a way that you can't really normally do when you're teaching them a board game, because then you leave and you walk away and they get to experience the game and your interaction with them's ended. So those for me are always the best ones because I then get to have a bit of fun and especially in the murder mystery night, I just got to pretend that I was like a lowly cocktail waitress who was overhearing lots of things and just spreading rumors throughout people, which was so much fun. Yeah, it was good. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I've done a lot that I've loved that were in the time that I've been at the cast since the cast been opened. Um, I got... Uh, one time we got contacted by a school who was running a board game design contest for the, for the students there. Um, I got to help judge it and help put it together. Um, I feel like give advice to the kids on like board games and tell them some things to go look at, which was cool. Um, I got to do a lot of cool stuff with that. Um, obviously, I've learned how to make coffee, which I now drink coffee. I like coffee now. That's a thing that's happened. Don't know if I've mentioned that all during this podcast um but honestly the best thing was that murder mystery that we did that one year murder mystery because it was the big thing of like oh god what are we gonna do we've ran like social deduction nights we've done like two rooms in the boom and we've had like good 16 people show for that um we could do more of that do a werewolf well let's do this murder mystery and we managed to get there was a humble bundle no not humble bundle um bad bundle of holding yeah that's the website which, for those of you who don't know, uh, is a role-playing game version of Humble Bundle, essentially money for charity um, by buying a big thing. And they were doing one on, like, murder mysteries, and we were like, well, let's get this. It's, like, 30 quid. It goes to charity, which is great. Um, and then we've got some murder mysteries to run, and that would be good, and there's a, a good few in there. Uh, we've ran two now, but the first one, it's the only one I'd talk about, actually, was be the one for the murder mystery, the one-year anniversary, because uh first of all it's at 32 people um which was amazing or oh, up to 32 people and i remember like the big thing i remember that i absolutely love and to the end of my time this is when i know how i know that we've got such a fantastic community is i said to really like right okay we've got this one it does about 30 people it's about the amount of people that we can get into the building at any one point reasonably um so we could do that and i think maybe we could sell all the tickets like we've got two weeks to really sell the tickets before we really have to stop it 
Um, and I think in that time, I think maybe we can we can do thirty two tickets. And Rhea agreed with me, and I was running a role playing game that night that we put the tickets up for sale. And during the time of running the role playing game, I was getting messages from Rhea being like, "That's twenty, uh, like there's like that's ten tickets sold, that's fifteen tickets sold, that's twenty tickets sold." Um, and then by the end of the night, once we'd finished and had cleaned up and headed, were heading home. We had sold 30 tickets of 32 tickets. With the next day, the last two tickets were taken. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Um, it was ridiculously quick. And I was just like, my God, the, the community really did like come out for us in that moment. And that was when I was like, oh, and I, like, I know a lot of it was because it was the one year anniversary and stuff. And, and I know we had a lot of people who wanted to celebrate with us. But it was just insane that I was like going, in two weeks, we can do 32 tickets. And it was like, in a night, we did 30 or something silly like that. Um, so I love that one. It was a fantastic thing to put together. I remember going through it all, organizing it all, all of the stress of doing it, because we'd never run a murder mystery before. And we were like, why are we running a murder mystery for 32 people when we've never run something like this before? And we being like, it's fine. Um, I like impression of me there. That's fine. Um, don't worry about it. Um, uh, I'm available for impressions of Re if you need them. Um, but oh, yeah, like website. I'll, I'll put it on. Um, I'll put it on Fiverr. Like if you need a re-impression. Um, uh, but yeah, we. It was good. Like it was good fun in the end. It, getting to interact with everyone and running around and running the murder mystery. Even though I spent most of that night running around like a headless chicken, being like, "Oh, gotta go do this. Oh, gotta go over here. I've oh, got to go and make this announcement at this time." I really need to go help Rhea out on the, on on serving the drinks out to the people and helping in that regard. It was a lot of fun and it was really good to get to hang around with the community and be involved in this big thing that they were doing. Um, I really loved doing the murder mystery. We've ran another one since then that has been absolutely amazing, and I'm hoping potentially to put another one together while like a lockdown murder mystery thing. But I'll not mention much more than like, I'm looking to do that. Just as a special treat for anyone who's listening to the podcast, they get to know that that's a thing that I'm going to be working on. Awesome. Yeah, so I think that that covers a lot of sort of the lead up to the now. Um, but we do have a handful more questions from our community members. So next question is, does being a professional in the industry sometimes impact your game enjoyment? Uh, Drew, do you want to go first for this one? I would love to. Um, so again, this was a question asked by Baz, um, and it's an absolutely fantastic question. Um, it doesn't impact my enjoyment in a game so much, but it, it's something that always does sit on the back of my mind um, when I'm playing these games is... And even going back and playing games that I've not played in a while, um, which I've done a little bit more during lockdown, uh, admittedly, but being able to go through the games i always when i'm ever i'm playing a game i usually try and think about if like am i enjoying it would i buy this for myself is this a game that i'm having fun with but um i now have a little voice in the back of my head that is just saying like is this something that um people at the cap would like how would i teach this to people at the cap because that's a big part of what i do there uh could i suggest this as a game for people like would i suggest this to someone in the cap to go out and buy it like I do get a lot of people who come and ask me like, oh, can you recommend me some games to go and buy for this, that, and the other thing? So I always like think about it. It's like, is this a game that I would recommend that people purchase? Would I put my voice to this? Um, I also tend to look a little bit more about how accessible these games are. There's been a lot of stuff that since we've opened up the CAF, 
that has made me realize about the accessibility of certain games, whether it's the, the wording that they use or have they used like clear, concise arguments? Is the rule book well formatted? It's one of the reasons I say like, like uh, I really like the uh, Fantasy Flight games because they now have started pivoting towards a learning to play and uh, a playbook. Like, say, they have two rule books, but one is like, this is teaches you how to play the game. The other one is just, here are all of the rules uh, in an alphabetical order for you to be able to look up and answer all the questions. I think that accessibility-wise is a lot more. So that is tends, so tends to be, no, it doesn't impact my enjoyment of a game, but it will sit there in the back of my mind and go and like, would I recommend this to the cap? Like, would I recommend this in the cap? Would I have this in the cap myself? A great example of that, like Twilight Imperium, my favorite game of all time. Like, I love that game to bits, but no way would I ever have it in the cap because it takes too long. It's too complicated, and I can't explain it to you in 10 minutes or less. So it's pointless to have it in the cap as a game because it's it can't fit. far too big. It's also far too big and would need an entire show. But it's like one of those things that I do look at and I do think, like, right, how, you know, I have that voice in the back of my head now that thinks about like the customer, um, or, like people in the cafe. Like, would I recommend this to people in the cafe to play? And sometimes it will be like, oh, do you know who will love this game? Like, um, um, oh, like, uh, what was it I played the other day that I was thinking of? Or is there any examples I can really do with this? Um, probably not. But like, I'll think about like, oh, would I recommend this to say like Baz, who comes into the cafe, who's asking this question, who comes in the cafe on a regular basis? Would I, would I do that? Or, um, I have that in the back of my head, and it's 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 definitely changed how I look at games rather than how I enjoy games. But Re, what about yourself? I feel um, sort of similarly. I'll say um, so. For me, it doesn't impact my enjoyment um, of games in a negative way. It does get me thinking a little bit more about game mechanics and interactions. And a lot of the time, what kind of game is this like if I needed to recommend a game that's like X? Which is something you get asked quite often. It's like, oh, is it like such and such? And the one that still to this day, I can't really think of anything else to recommend for a person is Betrayal at House on the Hill. If I like that, what should I be playing? And it's like, what part of it do you like? All of it. Oh. Yeah. It's very much in a league of its own. It's a great game, though, in my personal opinion. But for me, um, I normally like Euro style games. I really like engine builders. Um, and I am in the absolute wonderful fortune of re being required to play a lot of games for my job. Um, and sometimes they're not great. And sometimes I walk away thinking, oh, I definitely don't want to get that for the cafe. Or I don't want to own that personally. But I found myself playing games that I'd normally personally avoid. And that's just something I think is great when you are a professional in the industry and you're put in a situation where it's like, I wouldn't normally play this because for me, for example, uh, deck builders, I normally avoid them. I am really bad at playing them. I always realize about halfway through after fudging my way through buying random cards just because the ability sounds fun and I've already forgotten what else is in my deck. So interaction doesn't occur. Um, I get to about halfway, I realize the strategy that I should be aiming for because I remember maybe two cards that are in the deck and it's already too late and I'm going to lose. But 
I still really enjoy playing them and they are games I would avoid like the plague normally and just be like, no, I can't do it. I can't win. So I don't want to play it. But I really like Star Realms. And I had I played that one time um, a while ago and then I ended up going, do you know what? I really missed playing that. I am going to install the app on my phone. And I'm still no better at deck builders. I, mean, I wish you told me this because uh, we could have played a lot more Star Realms in this time that we've been in lockdown. We've been playing other things that don't wow. involve deck building wonderfully. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's that for me is something that is a good impact I feel it's pushed me out of this sort of little bubble I was in where I played a lot of engine builders and I didn't really play a lot of other styles of games because I have friends who liked engine building games so that was the thing we went for or we played something silly like munchkin I still really sorry you you what you still still really really need to get you to play food chain magnate because that is the creme de la creme of engine builders i feel you say we will one day there's still a lot of games we need to play that are on those shelves um but yeah it's sort of it it definitely being a professional in the industry it doesn't impact it in a negative way it gets you really thinking though and it gets your brain kind of going with like what kind of people would enjoy this game like drew said um is it a game that I could teach people is definitely a big one that I think about. And then also just sometimes you have a bit of a negative experience where you're like, this isn't a game that I could teach people or this is a game I don't enjoy. And then you have to, you have to answer questions to other people about it. So um, we often get asked about dark souls and it's a really awkward one to answer, especially from the professional point of view where you, you're like a spokesperson for board games and you talk to a person and they ask you about what do you think of the Dark Souls board game and Drew and I really don't like it. And we just have to be honest because I had a really bad play experience with it. It's just too crunchy. The guy explaining it wasn't great. Yeah, the less said on that one is is probably better for us. Yeah. um, But yeah, so... Sometimes, yeah, it's not great. Sometimes it it leaves you like sort of questioning more things, but it it opens your mind a bit more. I think when you go to the other side of from being the consumer, or from being wholly a consumer, to working in the industry. Yeah, I will also just say like um, I I have come to appreciate a lot more easy to play. Like I've always been a person who really likes easy player games. I like big complicated games as well. I like games in general. Like really, you can point a game at me and I'll probably find something to like about it. But I've definitely become a more, bit more appreciating on like the ones that are really easy to play or just really nice to play. Um, and been a bit more lenient with some of those that I might have gone like, oh, this game, oh, it's a bit boring because it doesn't really have any crunch or any, you know, I don't have to do maths or anything. And I think I've lent into that a little bit more because I have to think about that a bit more for customers who won't want to sit there and spend all day rolling dice and, and, and doing maths. Yeah. Although that is something now thinking about it, that um, looking back what you, what like on what we've learned, that's definitely something that we've learned is, the kind of board games, and I remember having these conversations with you of the kind of board games we expected to be played more versus the games that were being played more. Yes. 
and like was a, a bit sort of separate from what we were expecting. It's definitely it's your fast party games get played a lot more than yeah. Scythe, for example. When I said when I said that thing on like um, if a game can be explained in if the game can't be explained in ten minutes or less, yeah, like it's really like that has become a hard and fast rule. If I can't explain to you how to play the game in ten minutes in a clear and concise manner, it's probably not suitable for the calf. Yeah. No, um, I 100% agree with you. And I mean, we've done sit-down demos where we teach people the game, but that's very different from I am going to spend a couple of minutes telling you how this game plays. And yeah. if it's not gripping in any way, if it's one of those games where it's like, oh, you have to sit down to get it, then you just know you're not going to sell it to people who are new to board gaming as well, because that's a lot of who we see are people who, like, this is their introduction. This is their way of getting into the hobby. Also, also uh, on uh, the, the this side of things as well, uh, in answering this question, that Baz's uh, Baz's question here, um, I definitely have rethought about how I explain games to people because um, I'm very used to like explaining games to people who enjoy playing games. So I know I can go like, oh, so this is a little bit like Ticket to Ride, or like the you know you have to this is a deck building game, and people get what I'm saying when I'm saying that. Yeah. Um, where I've got a bit more used to better at explaining games to people who don't play games now um, is a big one that's changed how I look at games. Should yeah. we move on before we just sit there and rethink about trying yeah. other things for this question? It's a really good question. Um, it is. So, it's one you can ask anyone in the industry as well because they'll all have a different answer. I would love to ask a couple of designers that question, though. Yeah. Oh, um, so, Reed, what are the most fun, interesting games or products that you've been introduced to by customers? So, this is a bit of a weird one, at least for me, because since we're in the industry, we get tons of emails. We're in like various sort of pri more private, at least, Facebook groups with people in the industry, um, some designer ones where it's people who are designing board games. So, and then also we get a lot of the news bulletins from places. So a lot of the time, if it's new, there's a good chance we're aware it's coming out and we've looked into it and we're already kind of latched onto being interested. Or maybe we've decided, like, as we previously said, it wouldn't work in the cafe, but maybe as a personal piece, we're interested. But often I find it is the older things that people bring to me and I'm intrigued by um, and I didn't know about because it was potentially during the time when I wasn't playing a ton of board games or maybe when I was too busy stuck in market researching to have realized that something was going on. Um, and the one that I've picked for this is Martin Lloyd's Amazing Tales role-playing game. It is a role-playing game for kids and he designed it to play with his four-year-old so really it's for any age if they can grasp what a dice roll means so a, it's above a three as a pass if you if they get that then they will understand this game because it has about four rules and the rest of it is storytelling and it has a lot of different hints and tips and it's only about 30 pages long um but what happened was I was running a small kids role-playing group. We met once a month and we played the My Little Pony uh, Tales of Equestria role-playing game. 
And one of the mums said to me, like, oh, have you heard of Amazing Tales? I've played it with the kids and their cousins and they absolutely loved it and obviously my answer at the time was no what is this and so she told me about how it's this great freeform rpg and you can do whatever you want in it all you do is ask the kids so what happens next so what are you doing about this and you can set it in any setting there's loads of different settings in the book and then story seeds and she told me about this great adventure she ran in space where one of her daughters was a penguin because she loves penguins and the other one was a pony because she was the the she was the girl who was in my my little pony game um and they played with their two cousins who were robots and they had this great little adventure where they were going on a quest to search for something and it just was a lot of fun i managed to get one game organized before lockdown in which we went out on a quest to go see santa and the point was that the kids were meant to find out why they were on the naughty list and get themselves off it. And the whole point of the story being that they were never actually on the naughty list. So we could get to the end and have a nice little ending. But it's just such a lovely RPG that I never would have known about if I hadn't been running a game and what the mums had brought it in for me to look at. But Drew, what about you? Um, again, this was a really difficult question for me because a lot of the stuff that we tend to get asked about or, um, oh, have you heard of this game? Like most of the time it's, yeah, like I'm the big board game nut. Like I'm always looking out for the board game news. Um, and obviously in the position I'm in the CAF, I want to make sure I know about games. Um, and I know a lot about them already and, and various bits and bobs. And I've, I've played a fair few things. So I kind of know what I'm talking about. And I kind of feel like that's an important thing for me to be able to do. So the customers know that when they come in and say, have you heard about this? And I can just go, yeah, this, that, and the other thing. Um, so they know that we know what we're talking about. And it's not just like um, that we just have board games in for fun. Like, like it's something I would expect someone who's saying that they're a board game expert to know kind of thing. <laughs> But there are two games that have come to my attention. Um, they're both kids' games. I absolutely love them. I think they're great fun. The first one, which is the one that I'm like sort of struggling to realize, I'm trying to delay so I don't have to talk about it and admit how good it is. <laughs> we uh, we have to admit it is very good. It's a game I'm about poo. expecting it. It's yeah. a game about poo, and immediately I hate anything to do with poo um being used in this sort of fashion as a form of entertainment or anything like that is the it's the lowest form of comedy um yeah but there's a fantastic little card game it's called who did it and it is the game of uh an, an animal has pooed on the floor whose pet animal was the one that did it and it's just a memory game where you're you all start with the same set of animal cards in your hand and you're trying to lay down your animal to say like it wasn't my parrot it was someone's dog and then if no one can play the dog card because they've already played it you lose like you've got to try and remember what other people have in their hands um it is so entertaining i absolutely love it i recommend it kids just get it it's really easy to explain it, it it's one that anyone can pick up on and you just explain the theme of the game and they get it um it's just so much good fun like honestly I would get this game to keep in my like because it's it's a tiny little box and I just keep it in my bag. And if I was going down the pub or something like that with a bunch of mates, I'd be like, "Do you want to play this game about pooping animals?" Um, it's the, honestly, it's that good. It's a real good, quick game that just anyone can get, anyone can understand. Um, 
kids can play it and it's good fun. Adults can play it and it's been good fun. Love that game. Um, can't remember who recommended it to me though, but I know it was a customer that did because I, I definitely would have wouldn't have looked into it myself. Yeah, no, it was a very um, weird one that we didn't play for a little while, and then we played with my role play group with the kids for that, and just ended up playing several games of it, not realizing just how entertaining it actually is. Yeah, like that game is addictively entertaining, and I, 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 I just every time I recommend it, I'm just like. Look, it's not. I don't usually do this. <laughs> the poop game. Um, so yeah, the other one I I really do enjoy as well, and it's really just because of one silly thing that's written in the rules that I absolutely adore. Um, and I also remember who recommended me this one, but so I thought I'd mention it for that. Uh, animal, animal upon animal. Uh, Lynn Hardy recommended it to us when we were looking for some more kids games into the calf. Um, it's a really good animal stacking kids game where you get animals like little wooden uh, tokens of animals and you're trying to stack them up. Um, it's a really nice rule book. Uh, really explains itself really well. Uh, kids can understand it. Adults can understand it. It's quite good fun. But the thing I love it is it does say that the winner is the best animal stacker of the day. So it's kind of like that whole idea that you've got to come back and play it again because you've got to know who's the, the best animal stacker for that day. And I just, I just love that. I think that's just a really well-written uh thing to a rule book to it's just that little bit of charm that i like yeah um, it's, it's definitely it's one of those where we admitted quite early on that kids games were not something awful. we knew a ton about yeah so these it, two, and these two are strong ones that we're always recommending yeah and very good fun but I think that sort of brings us to the end of the intro to the beginnings of Meeple Perk. Well, the the, the, the Meeple Perk retrospective look at yeah. things. Whatever you want to call this. Um, duology or tri- 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 trilogy. I can, I can do English, I promise. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, just one thing just to, just to end this bit here is like, one, this has been fantastic for, like, for us to go look back through and rethink about these old times. So... Thank you for giving us the opportunity to do that. Uh, and two, the next episode might not necessarily be the next part of this, um, just because we're going to have to hope, like we should have everything done at that point and be able to talk about it properly. But um, just bear that in mind that don't expect next week for us to necessarily be the second part to this. Yeah. And hopefully the next part of this will be discussing um the time we've had in lockdown and sort of what we did with that time kind of talking about our great discord community and a few fun little things that we've done in the time that we've been in lockdown um things like videos we've done for facebook and stuff like that and then also hopefully a bit of a deeper discussion about what meeple perk will be in the future and how we're gonna come back for um reopening now that cafes can reopen and if, are, and if you are listening this soon uh, us opening we do have some plans we are being a bit cagey about what they are because we don't want to say anything to anyone and then have to backtrack on them so just bear with us if you're listening to us please just wait for us to announce things yeah but moving on it's time for pick of the week um it's my new tune um but yeah, uh, pick of the week. Every week, we, me and Ree, uh, and if we have a, a guest, 
pick a thing that we really enjoyed that week uh, in hopes that we uh, to pass it on to you, it can bring you joy. It doesn't necessarily have to be a board game, role-playing game, or anything like that. But yeah, it, it's, a, it's a, a thing like that. Um, Reed, I know I usually go first on this, but I know your pick of the week already. Do you want to hop on and go first? Sure. So... I don't per se have a huge pick of the week in the sense of it's something for you to go out there and do. Um, This past week's been quite stressful. So instead, I just have like a really nice piece of news. And it's something that if you follow us on Facebook, you'll know about or you'll at least know a little bit about. Uh, But as many of you are aware from listening and from our recommendations on the podcast, um, our good friend DJ Snoozy Blue was raising money uh, for Meeple Perk by doing a charity DJ stream every Saturday night throughout June. And we were absolutely taken back by it. It was absolutely wonderful of them to do it. And uh, we had good fun just joining in on the streams, listening to the music and having fun. Uh, but with everything that's been going on, um in the entire world, we sort of looked back on it um and it was we got to about halfway through the month, but we had to organize things. But we were looking at everything that was happening throughout the rest of the world, the rest of the country, and within our friendship group as well. And we decided instead that wouldn't it be great if this money, because this money would make a little bit of a difference to us, but really we just saw it could do so much better for someone else. So we said, wouldn't it be great if we donated this money to an LGBTQ plus charity local to us in the Northeast, um, so because we felt like they could do so much more with it than we could, especially for people in our community, for people in our friendship circles and even in our families. And we ended up picking the Albert Kennedy Trust, which is a charity that helps with housing people who have maybe had to leave home or have been forced out of their homes uh, within the LGBTQ plus community from the age of, I believe it's 16 to 25. And minus fees of, you know, when the money is being transferred and so on, we've raised about, or at least Snoozy's raised, I will say, Snoozy's wonderfully raised um, £500, which will be going straight to the charity uh, on our behalf. But just because we thought that that would be something that we could do to at least give back a little bit. And I'd just like to come in here and just let you know that when Ree says we decided this, um, while I do agree and and everything, this was something that Ree really wanted to do. So Ree, thank you very much for sort of pushing us to do that because it's been a really great thing i'm glad that we will manage to be involved in this uh, i'm really happy that Sno- snoozy blue managed to raise this money and again thank you again to snoozy um for doing this it was fantastic of you doing it and we've, we've thoroughly enjoyed it and being able to do a fantastic thing like that for charity has been amazing for us yeah but so that was sort of my more announcement of the week is something that was like a nice little bit upli- uplifting that happened but Drew, what is your actual pick of the week? So I actually like followed the, the, the thing for the podcast and actually did pick a thing of the week. Um, for the first time, I think it's for the first time, I'm going to recommend a board game. Dun, dun, dun. Um, so we were looking to do a, a live stream on Saturday, uh, just gone. Um, 
where we were going to play games with the community and do roll and rights. Um, so for a lot of this week, when I've had the opportunity to, I've been hopping back into a roll and write that I really like called Welcome To. Technically, it's a flip and write because you flip cards, not roll. Um, but I've been going back and playing that a little bit, and I'm playing that a little bit solo. They've just released some new expansions, which are kind of cool. Uh, so um, with roll and rights such as Welcome To, you get like a score sheet pad, and that's what you're working. <coughs> that's what you're working on. Sorry. Um, that's what you're working off of to, to score points and play the game. Uh, they've released some new score sheets that add a bit of a theme into them, just add like a little bit extra to the game so it's not just straight up the game. It's a nice little change to it. Um, I have picked up and played the Outbreak one, which adds, uh, so in Welcome to You're Trying to Build Your Perfect Neighborhood. Uh, in Outbreak, you've got to build your neighborhood while also fending off against zombies. And in Doomsday, you've got to prepare for the coming apocalypse uh, by placing down bunkers. Uh, and protecting as many people as you possibly can. Um, also, um, whilst also building up your perfect neighborhood. Uh, they're really good fun. It's a really good fun little game. Uh, it's it's really inexpensive, which is good. It's a very fun game. Like I've played several games this week of it just by myself. Um, it's very fun. I highly recommend it. The expansion stuff is pretty neat. I'd be tempted to get one or two more of these uh, little expansion packs because they're only like a tenner uh and add like some more score sheets and a few extra cards to use so it's a great idea for an expansion to the game that really prolongs the life of it um it's good fun and if you're interested in that um as i say we postponed the the stream because we just really were not in the mood uh due with everything that was going on in the world uh to really put ourselves out there and do a live stream so uh this coming saturday um which is the fourth third dates uh yeah this fourth uh this saturday the fourth from 5 p.m we'll be on facebook doing our live stream um of welcome to uh as well as a couple of other rolling rights but i specifically want to highlight welcome to because it's one that i've played a fair few times this week um it's really helped me like just get out of a funk or um when my brain was shutting down it was a good way to engage my brain that wasn't like thinking about the things going on so that was good fun so welcome to is my pick of the week awesome um and i guess that's everything for this week um thank you everyone for listening and joining us this week yep um if you've enjoyed what we're doing please consider supporting us at uh, ko-fi.com slash meeple perk where you'll gain access to our Meeple Perk community Discord server, where you can come and chat with us, the rest of the lovely community that we've got, um, as well as we run our events on there, games, uh, movie nights, uh, maybe a quiz coming up, um, a, a murder mystery potentially coming up as well. All of that you can get access to by heading to ko-fi.com forward slash Meeple Perk. Once again, that is Kofi dot com slash meeple perk uh music intro and outro was written by and produced by liam slack thank you so much for listening stay safe and remember to wash your hands bye bye